If you've got three kids and you're shoving them in a Mustang because you don't think a minivan is cool, I just don't understand you. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. At face value, you should say that you'll stop at one child to maximize your subjective well-being. With Margaret Abel's and Amy Wilson. If you were in search of some really solid how many kids should you have metaphors, you came to the right place today. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And today we're talking about what is the right number of kids. If the answer is none, we're all in a lot of trouble. Right. But I do want to. I do want to say something before before we start. May I? This. Well, I just want to say to everybody listening that obviously, I hope this episode is is just for fun. There's no there's no actual judgment here from either one of us on how many kids you should have. <laughs> none. Not at all. I can't even judge people who have like fourteen. Oh, hopefully, obviously, the number you have is the number that, that you think is the right number of to course, have, right? Of course. And there's lots of reasons why people have different numbers of kids, and some of them are not entirely voluntary. So before we start, I just want to say that, yes, we we know that there are parents and probably even people listening for whom this is not a lighthearted question or a uh, something that was entirely in their control, and we, we get it, and we hear you. And one of our listeners, we asked on our Facebook page and our Instagram page for input on this. And as always, got all kinds of funny and interesting feedback. And we have a listener, Mahima, who put it, as many babes as you are blessed with is the perfect number. She's right. She's that right. Give me a little goosebump, Chell. But even if that's true, this is a this is a question that all of us engage with at, at many different times in our lives, right? Yes. And and the rebuttal from that uh, was from my Aunt Terry, who was once featured on the podcast. And she always says that her grandmother used to say she wouldn't take a million dollars for one of her kids and wouldn't give a nickel for one more. <laughs> and like, I think that's a lot of it too, you know, <laughs> like, sure, you value the ones you have, but let's turn off the spigot, please. What you got is what you got. And I mean, did you start talking about this when you were playing with Barbies and you were eight years old? Because I did. You talk oh, about... no. I no? Mean, no. I wasn't one of those, like, thought a lot about kids' kids, although my daughter does it. Like, how many kids do you, she has them named, she thinks about Right, the names. Mm -hmm. Little Serena and Michael, you know, she's got it all figured out. Your grandchildren, your future grandchildren are already planned. Oh, yeah, they're all sorted out. Amy was actually- She's still working on the concept that the the father of those babies is not going to be her brother. So we have some stuff (laughs) to still work through on this. Let's hope not. (laughs) No. I'm like, that's illegal. And she's like, I don't understand. But I'm like, listen, we'll talk about it later. My my name is actually my mother's like growing up playing with dolls. Amy was, you know, her, the name that she would always imagine that her baby would be called. And then that was really our name. But then your mom... I mean, we always like to shout out Nancy Wilson. She is that kind of mom. Like, she's so sweet-tempered. She seems to really love being a mom. Like, she, it's like her dream came true, having kids, which is not, God bless you, Nancy Wilson, everybody's experience. That is not everybody's. She definitely has the temperament for, for many children. So. And anyone who's behind the script, she has six children. So yeah, it's really yeah. good that she was into kids because she has a ton of them. So, so it starts out what you think you want, which I knew I wanted – you know, I I know I knew I wanted kids always. That was a that was a given, and I wanted you know a, a several, and and then of course there's what life actually gives you. One of our listeners, Yvonne, says she wanted five, and life gave her two, and that was for a lot of reasons. And 
Yeah, so I have a that. couple of friends who wanted lots and life gave them none or one. Like it's it's not you, 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 it's not it's not just what you want. And then and then there's also that moment. I think the the other time you really engage with this question is when you are a parent and you're holding your baby at two in the morning and you think, am I done? Am I done? How will I know if I'm done? Is this the last one? How do how do we how do I tell? How will I know? Well, I have a kind of unique experience of this because I got married when I was 36. Okay. And my basic outlook was I always kind of wanted to get married and have kids, but never yet. And then when I was 35 and single, I kind of thought, uh-oh, it's now. Like, I just kind of realized, like, I was single, living in Los Angeles, 35, which basically in LA means like you're never going to meet anyone under 65 who wants to date you, you know, mm-hmm. like it's a weird town. And then I very, very fortuitously and luckily met my husband. We got engaged pretty much right away, got married a year later. And at which point I was 37, 36, I guess. <laughs> my husband, and I remember on a date, had this funny conversation where he was like, I really like the idea of being married for a couple of years before having kids. And I was like, uh, dude, have we met? I'm 36. Like, if we are going to have kids, we're going to have them the day after we get married. And basically, we got married December 9th or 10th, something around there. And our first kid was born September 25th. So that's nine months and 15 days later. <laughs> so we got right to business. My plan was always like, I'd like to have as many kids as possible, considering the fact that I'm already 36, 37 years old. And then Four years later, we had three kids under four, and I was like, okay, this plan is going a little too well. We need to (laughs) put the brakes on. (laughs) Like, it's possible. And I come from a long line of Irish peasant people. Like, I have cousins who've had natural kids at 46, you know, and later. And so I suddenly realized, like, oh, wait, I could potentially have seven. Like, I always thought, well, we'll just have as many as possible because I'm so old. But then when I had three, four years later, we had to kind of make a decision, like, and holding. Yeah. I, I don't know, but I have a feeling that I could have really kept going. So that's, the, that's I, I made a list of the factors that play into this decision. And, and that's that was my first one, is how old you are when you start. Obviously, how much runway you have is going to... Um, play into how many you're actually going to get to have. My mother had six, but she started young. She started when she was 24. So yeah, I had like one of those like Island nation runways that like is so short that if you don't hit it exactly, you end (laughs) up in the sea. Very little (laughs) runway. And they, and of course here's the, here's the uh, most obvious factor perhaps is how much money you have to contribute to this endeavor. You ready oh, for a statistic? I mean, for sure. No, you- I don't want to hear it. I'm going to just, everyone else listen. I'm just going to block my ears. Uh, okay. La, la, okay, everybody else. A 2015 report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Center for Nutrition Policy. I don't know why they're studying this, but this is where our tax dollars are going. you got to feed these things. That's why. They estimate that for a child born in 2015 uh, to a middle-income married couple family, average average, will spend $233,000 on that child from birth through age 17. That does not include college. Does not include college. So you and I are both in for over three-quarters of a mil. Yes, kids. before college. And they also have, I'll put the link up on our show page at com. They do have, if you want to just uh, depress yourself, a cost of raising a child calculator. No, thanks. If you want to, 
if you want to regret your life's decisions, you can, yeah, take that for a spin. I don't, I I don't recommend it, but it's there. I was in Florida this weekend and I was talking to a guy and he said he went out on a boat with a very wealthy friend of his and they were like puttering around at sunset on the boat. And he was like, I think I want to get a boat. And his friend took out his wallet and threw a hundred dollar bill overboard And he was like, oh, my God, what are you doing? What are you doing? You just threw money. And he's like, yeah, you're not ready to have a boat. (laughs) Like, if you can't stand the sight of money just being completely wasted, like that, you know, I mean, you could have a baby or you could just go to your bank, check out all your money and light it on fire. Like bonfire in your backyard. Well, I want to take the other side of this um, Avenue Mama, Annie, who's a listener. She says you should have how many your heart tells you to have. Yes, money is important, but I was raised as a refugee and we were an immigrant family of seven and there was enough for all of us. Well, and that is something that we've talked about in other contexts. And my husband has an expression, packing takes as long as you have. Yes, Like absolutely. if you got to leave in 20 minutes, you can pack. And if you've got three days, it could take three days. Kids are as expensive as much money you have. You know, I mean, they they will take up all your money. If you have no money, they will take up all your money. And if you have billions of dollars, they will take up all your money. Absolutely. So money, I, I think, yeah. I mean, it's something to consider, can, but yeah, it shouldn't be the deciding factor. We have to talk about this from our middle of the spectrum or privileged end of the spectrum. Like, of course, we're not talking about like, you're absolutely desperate. You have to choose which could defeat. Like, we're talking about kind of the middle of the road experience of this. And I do think in that case, I I was um, once at a wedding and in their vows, they were like, let's never fight about a problem that money can solve. And the person sitting next to me was like, easy for you to say rich people. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Money is one of those issues that affects people differently. But I do think if you sit there and do the calculator as part of deciding how to have kids, you're kind of missing out. Yeah, I might not have had more than one if I knew it cost $233,000. So forget yeah. I said that. Don't listen. And somehow it's not like writing it. It's like people who always say, we'll have kids when I'm when we're ready. I'm like, enjoy having that baby when you're 86. Right. It's not going to happen before then. That's true. That's true. Another factor that really plays into this is where you live in the country. For sure. Jay Cruff 13, she said, two is perfect for us in the D.C. area, but three worked for my family growing up in Northeast Pennsylvania. A lot depends on where you live. We couldn't afford more than two in daycare down here. Right. And, you know, I live in a suburb of New York City. And every time I meet someone, I say, where are you coming from? And they say Brooklyn. And I'm like, ah, yes, the great migration. Like people have the second or third kid. They're in a one or two bedroom apartment and they come out to the suburbs. And so definitely like you're not going to have seven kids in Manhattan. Probably there are people who do it, but you know, you're not going to have, if you're in a tiny apartment and that's where you're going to stay, it makes it a little harder to have a huge family. I have two, I have two, uh, friends with four kids in Manhattan and I have no friends with more than that. Yeah. And even that, like I can name, I can name the two because they're unusual. Yeah. How about what kind of car are you willing to be seen driving? This is a screed trigger for me and a screed <laughs> trigger warning. I, of course, drive a minivan. And I, people who screed against the minivan, I, I just don't understand it. Like, it's over already. Like, no one is looking to you to be the arbiter of cool. If you've got three kids and you're shoving them in a Mustang because you don't think a minivan is cool, I just don't understand you. I yeah. cannot relate to that mindset at all. I'm saving my thoughts on this for another episode because I think... I think uh, uh, the minivan deserves its own episode, but I the minivan. I mean, God bless the minivan. It's unsung. It's, like, it, it's up there with the polio vaccine for me. Like, <laughs> thank God someone thought of this because 
we just were on a trip and we had to rent a car and the three kids sat across the back for four and a half hours driving across Texas. And I was like, I'm pulling over and letting you out. I, yeah, I'm non-starter. done. I don't yeah. want to be a parent anymore. Yeah. But it does. It, if you have three kids in car seats at the same time, which is many of us now that they're supposed to be in a car seat or a booster until, right, until they're, they're like 17. 14. Yeah. Six feet tall. Um, there are many, many cars that you can't fit three car seats in a row across the back seat. And then if you have the minivan, and if you do, you're like you breaking your knuckles every time <laughs> you have to put the seatbelt on. He's touching me. Like, I would like, whoever invented the minivan, you have my undying support and love. And and minivan haters, I'm sorry, I cannot Just relate find to another you. podcast. Yeah, this is not your podcast. I hate to lose a listener, but if you are against the minivan, this is not the podcast for you. How about how much you like babies and kids as being a factor in this? Can oh, I wait? We were supposed to think about that. Can I tell you what our listener, Amy, Amy oh, W, not Amy Wilson, one. different Amy W. She says, when we got married, we thought we'd have two. Ten years later, we have four, nine, six, two and a newborn. And although I think we're done now that she's here, I could honestly do another. I'm 35. We have a big house. We have enough money. I love babies and they are more enjoyable every time. Wow. Send your kids to Amy W. Amy W, you are something else. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure you're done, Amy W. You've got no, some runway. Amy W is going for five. I can feel it. I can feel it in my bones. She makes it sound easy. And I feel like once you've crossed the Rubicon of three, well, no, let, let me rephrase. I feel like the Rubicon is really four. Like four is a lot of kids and five you're starting to head. My sister-in-law has four and she had four in six years and it, and they were 23 when they started. So we were kind of like, everyone was kind of like, um, how many do you think we're going for? <laughs> like we started to have those conversations of like, are we like into 12 territory? Cause she's a great mom. She loved it. And I remember four, we were having a conversation and it's like five, you've really got to make the decision that you're going to be the church van family. Like that's a different Rubicon, you know, mm-hmm. like at four, you're still fit in the minivan comfortably. Yes. I mean, even at five, you could shove that one in the middle seat in the back. That's not really supposed to be a seat. But, you know, then you're really getting into like, you have to really restructure your life to be a family. I know, I know people have six, um, but it, it is a little, there are some Rubicons involved. You know, in New York City, it's a particular Rubicon of even two to three and then three to four totally because you you are not really supposed to take five people in a taxi. Now, That's right. We yeah. all try to go somewhere and we were like, just get in, just get in, just get in. And we like try to like play it like really cool. And when my daughter was younger, she would, I'd, she'd sit on my lap and I just would seatbelt both of us. Now we're oh, kind that of- that was totally safe. That was a great idea. Oh yeah. No problem. In a crash, that would have worked out fine No, no problem. That's how it happens in New York City. But anyway, like, yeah, so five, you can kind of sometimes get away with if the driver decides to look the other way, but sometimes not. And if you're a family of six, forget it. Two taxis everywhere. And then just welcome to the poor house. Are you kidding me? That's, well, that's and also not you really live tenable. In an apartment with seven people. It's insane. Yeah. All right. We have so much more to say about this. We'll be right back. Bombas makes the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. I am actually happy when I open my sock drawer and I see those Bombas peeking out. Amy, they spark joy. I'm glad to hear that. And you wouldn't think that socks could spark joy, but I know that you're right because I feel the same way. I mean, who would have thought it, Amy? Who would have thunk it? They're like a little bit of happiness in my morning when I have Bombas to put on because they they just get all the little details right. The cotton is snuggly in a way that I can't fully express. There's no toe seam. <laughs> 
And there's a part across the middle that's like knit a little differently. So it sort of hugs the arch of your foot. It makes me happy. And I don't care what people say. I love Bombas. I want you to work on expressing about the toe seam, Amy. That's an assignment for you. (laughs) These socks do more than keep your feet cozy though, Amy. For every pair you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. We're talking 34 million pairs of socks and counting through their nationwide network of three thousand giving partners give a pair when you buy a pair and get 20 percent off your first purchase at bombas.com slash laughing that's b-o-m-b-a-s dot com slash laughing for 20 percent off your first purchase bombas.com slash laughing Beachbody On Demand is back as a sponsor this week. If you're like me, you discovered online fitness as a way to keep your sanity during these last couple of months. And with Beachbody On Demand, you get instant access to 1,300 different workouts you can stream anytime. I first learned about Beachbody, and you may have too, from P90X, which is an insanely effective workout, I will say. Fun and highly intense, but Beachbody also has yoga, bar, dance. There's a kids and family collection to get everybody moving. It's a huge, huge range of classes. And some of the classes get you results fast. By the time it would have taken you to drive to the gym, you did the 10-minute trainer, you're done. You can use Beachbody on your computer, tablet, phone, smart TV, anywhere you are. Listeners of the What Fresh Health podcast can try Beachbody for free. You can get a special free Beachbody trial membership when you text laughing to 30 30, 30. You will get free full access to the entire Beachbody On Demand platform. All the workouts, all the support, all the content, totally free by texting LAUGHING to 303030. 30, 30. Check it out. And now, a handy guide for deciding how many children are right for your family from the What Fresh Hell podcast. One child. You enjoy having a ton of free time and also are not averse to spending like a lot of your life talking to a child. Two children. You are down to physically manufacture a playmate for your first child and to arbitrate disputes for 18 years straight. Three children. You've always longed to have a big family. Also, disposable income is not a priority for you. Neither is silence. And you're good at making pancakes really fast. Four children. You figure, you've got the minivan, you might as well fill it, right? I mean, that, and you're hedging your bet against a couple of them turning out weird. Five children. Constant joyful chaos is where you thrive, baby. Or also, maybe you run a farm? Six children. I mean, maybe you're religious? I'm not really sure what's happening, to be honest. I mean, six? Seven children or more. You just have so much love in your heart, you don't know what to do with it. And you're hoping for a reality show. This has been a handy guide for deciding how many children are right for your family. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Amy, did you know, if anyone knew this, you did, Amy. 90% of people fall short of the FDA-recommended guidelines for at least one vitamin or nutrient. I didn't know that, but I was probably falling short on all of my recommended vitamins or nutrients, but not anymore, Margaret, because every morning I open the cabinet to get out the cereal boxes for the kids, and right there I have my Care Of vitamins. I went online to takecareof.com, and I took the online quiz. It was short, easy, and fun. 
And then Care Of delivers completely personalized vitamin and supplement packets right to your door. I was a little worried that after I took the um, quiz that I got the like improve your mood vitamins. I think they're kind of <laughs> judging me. <laughs> you grab one and go. It's easy to take and remember which to take. Like it's already packaged for you. You don't have to go through like six different bottles and be like, now I need the like colostamine or whatever. You just you just take what's in the packet. It even yep. has your name on it. It's so easy to take. You can't not take it. And that's the that's the point. You got to take the things, right? And Careof also offers pre and postnatal supplements with accompanying research to help mothers and babies alike stay their healthiest. And most importantly, they are offering a deal for our listeners for 25% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins. Visit TakeCareOf.com and enter the code LAUGHING. That's TakeCareOf.com and the code LAUGHING for 25% off your first month of personalized vitamins. You're unique, so is Care Of. Okay, so I thought we would start with uh, smaller families and talk about why those are the best or the people who have them think they're the best and then and then move up. What do you think about that? Yeah, and I mean, I, I mean, just in case my kids are going back and listening to these episodes as adults, like, no offense, but when I see people with only children, I'm like, that seems like it would have been a really good idea. Only children are the fastest growing demographic in America. I have friends with only children and they're like, go to Europe on vacation with their kid. <laughs> And I'm like, wait, what now? Like, it just seems like such a lovely lifestyle. Lauren Sandler wrote about having only an only child for Time magazine. And she said this. I love this quote. Singletons offer the rich experience of parenting without the consuming efforts that multiple children add. All the wonder and giggles and shampoo mohawks, but with leftover energy for sex, conversation, reading, and so on. Ugh. And I was like, reading? Wow, it's too late for me, but enjoy your lives, parents of only. <laughs> Sounds reading? good. I think I've heard of that. Yeah, I mean, I know people who are onlys because they, and I know people who are reluctant only child parents, only in that they like grew up with siblings and they were not able to have more than one kid and there's some loss and heartache in that. And I understand that. And I would have been, I think I would have felt the same if I had ended up, which there was a great possibility of me doing ending mm -hmm. up with only one child when mm -hmm. I started so late. When I look at it from the outside, it seems extremely appealing. I think some of the, you know, the past stigma of, oh, only children, it's not right for the kid, that that has sort of gone away because studies have proven all of the benefits that only children have. Are you ready to hear a few? Yeah. I mean, you don't even have to tell yeah, me. Yeah, you don't have to tell you. Imagine but them, but like run through them quickly. Daniel Goleman, the psychologist who studies emotional intelligence and, you know, all that kind of thing, he, he, um, wrote a book saying that the personal attention that only children get leads to higher academic success, higher IQs, and higher self-esteem. Yeah, and like less personal injury damage from being constantly punched in the head by your siblings. <laughs> That's... You cannot discount that as a factor. Of That's true. Success. There's you know the one-on-one the -on -one attention. It's the same thing for an oldest child, I guess, but the one-on-one -on -one attention they get is undoubtedly uh, useful for their young brains. Yeah, shout out to only children parents. Good only job, children guys. know how to play by themselves and there's you know there's less chaos involved which makes which makes a calmer mom. There's a study. You want to hear the study? Okay. Hans Peter Kohler, you know him. He's a population sociologist. Oh, no, he's great. I, I always study his stuff. He, um, he served his t-shirt picture on it. Yeah. He surveyed 35,000 Danish women, which I, I think this is, I, I'm going off script here, but didn't, aren't Danish people already like the happiest people in the world? Didn't somebody just prove yeah, that so recently? So they may not count, but okay. So women 
in Denmark with one child said they were more satisfied with their lives than women with no kids or women with more than one child. So Dr. Kohler's um, conclusion was, at face value, you should say that you'll stop at one child to maximize your subjective well-being. Oops. Too late. Dr. Kohler, where were you <laughs> in 2008? That's what I want to know. I mean, that's a very Danish point of view, but I mean, it's not without merit, probably. Um, let's talk about Tuesdays. Okay. So we have a bunch of, a bunch of, should we read some of the things that our listeners said about yes. two kids and why two is best? By the way, two kids is, it's still the American average. Is it two, two point, point something? 2.4. Yeah. Uh, but it's still like what the, and the average, even the average is changing. Like average means like 37%. It's not, you know, right. it's not a overwhelming average, but anyway, uh, Shannon says two hands, two kids. <laughs> well, that was, I mean, my mom when I called three years into my marriage to explain that I was pregnant with my third child, she was like, yep, you're out of hands. That's exactly <laughs> what she said to me. <laughs> and my mom had three and three, almost Irish triplets, three in exactly three years, like one, one every year. And yeah, two, two is a good number as well. She, uh, Marianne says, we have a saying around here, go play with your sister. That's why we had her. So I guess two. <laughs> Yeah. That's yeah. like some some families say that they have like they had the second child to be like the bone marrow donor and yes. Marianne had the second to go play with her. <laughs> That's what we have. Well, her. there is something about that that like, you know, although I have parents of only have told me often like they go on vacation. And it's like the kid always just finds another kid like they, they don't you know, it's not like the myth of like, oh, you have to spend all your time playing with them. But the other thing I will say for the second kid, I've known people who were extremely like nervous kind of caught up in their kid parents. And I always give them the advice, have another kid. Like when you're pouring too much like anxiety and, oh my God, I can make this work and make it be perfect into one kid. The second kid kind of splits the fire hose a little bit and it, it, it it just kind of relaxes it for both. That's a, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, Alex says, as the parent of a three-year-old and a one-month-old, I feel like the answer is two, but I fully recognize this is completely due to the fact that both of my kids are at ages which make the prospect of another child seem like self-flagellation. So this is a debate I want to wade into because this is something I've always said. People, when I had a three-year-old, a two-year-old, and an infant, people would always say, I can't believe you had your kids so close together. And what I would always reply is, I can't believe people get out of the baby phase and then have another kid. Like, I can't believe, there's a in the there was a marathoner interviewed in the, New York Times, and he ran it in whatever, like two two hours and six minutes. And they were like, how can you run in, in two hours and six minutes? And he's like, I can't understand how people can run it for, how can people can run for five hours? Yeah. Like, to me, that's the thing of like, uh, you chewed your leg out of the bear trap and then you stepped in another bear trap. That to me is having a kid when you have a five-year-old, whereas you're already in like diaper wipes, formula, baby food, hell you might as well just like keep having them as quick as possible. And then we're all out together now. I'm that too. I had three and five years and I am in the, when, when the diapers are done, the diapers are done um, phase. But there are people who take the other side of that and say, have them, have them spread farther apart because then they can help, which was true in my family. 
Yeah, w- and the only the the rebuttal to that I would say is like the people of the sixteen year old and the infant like that that. But then again, I think I project onto that that the sixteen year old is going to be like a full time au pair. They're not. They're going to be like, stop talking to me, you annoying mom. I'm not going to change. I, I, that yeah, I was I was that sixteen year old, and mm-hmm. and and so was my mom. My mom was the oldest of eight, and then I was the oldest of six. So I definitely helped out, changed diapers, babysat for free a ton. I probably was not as one hundred percent selflessly, you know, chambermaid that I thought I was. You know what I'm right. saying? Cinderella, like I think yeah, yeah. I think my mom let me live my own life a little bit. But I did I did help out out a lot. But I kinda it, liked it. It made me it made me really excited to be a mom. So it doesn't really have to be eighteen now that I say it. Like I always used to say when my kids were really little, like if I had like a five four and two year old. I was like, as long as there's a nine year old girl in the backyard, we can sit and relax <laughs> because that like the girl will always come and be like the baby's, you know, eating a squirrel or something, you know, like she'll, the, the, the nine year, all you need is like a nine year old girl. All you need, if there's one takeaway from this, just make sure you have a nine year old girl somewhere in your, in your family mix at and, least or rent one, you know? Or, yeah. Or from, from next door. I, I wanted to say what Jillian said, cause I thought this was funny. My number is two. When we are out places, I am constantly counting them. One, two to keep track of them. I can't handle more than that. Well, I have a cousin who's one of, I mean, some ridiculous, it's literally like 12 or 13. Like he's from that kind of family where they have a million kids. I I guess I think it's 11. He's one of 11. And I said, well, what is that like being one of 11? And he's like, you spend a lot of time at gas stations waiting for your parents to realize they forgot you. (laughs) It's like to count to 11, you're going to lose them all over the place. You know? Yeah. Two is very easy to keep track of. So the the sort of most off-spoken um, benefit of having two is the, the one of each argument. Now, I have, I have three kids. I had two boys first. I, I would have been very happy with two boys or three boys, you know, the end. I didn't, I didn't feel strongly about having one of each gender, but a lot of people with two kids who have one of each are like, I have one of each. Why would I keep going? Right. You're done. That's right. You checked the box. Um, um, the flip side of two, I think, and I, I'm from four and I have three, so I can't speak to it from personal experience, but two is like binary system. You know, like you, you're very um, interdependent. Like there's a, cause some comparison that goes on. I think as your parents get older, it's like you're dealing with it with one other person. It's very, it's can be fractious too. Like it's just, it's the two of you, binary mm. stars. Gina for Scary Mommy wrote an article called The Argument for Two Children. I'll put the link up on the show page. And she said, I thought this was interesting. There's no such thing with two kids. There's no such thing as two against one. This is something that still remains fresh in my mind. My brothers got along very well. And then there was me, the only girl. The one brother sided with the other against me. There's always that potential with three kids. But when you only have two, they're pretty much stuck with each other. This hmm. is totally true in my family. My 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 boys used to fight like a, a you know rooster and a dog, but but now they get along great because they have um, a, a vast topic on which they can agree, and it's isn't our sister annoying? So they they do gang up on her, and yeah, uh, not always, happens. not always. And I'll talk about that when we get to the benefits of three kids. But I, it does happen, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't happen with two. I have a strong feeling on the benefits of three kids. And since we are the world's leading expert in having three kids, since we both have three, Mm -hmm. I think we should discuss it after the break. So my reigning theory of having three kids is the valve sibling that like the two, the binary star problem with two kids, when you have three, 
there's always another option, which I kind of like. Like, you and me are annoying each other. I can complain about you to the third sibling. Like, it's like the steam builds up between two, and then the third is the valve that lets the steam off. That's how I see three kids. You know, it, it, I was I was just saying before that my uh, my boys gang up on their sister, which they do often, but that's not the only thing that happens. Because the other thing, right, when there's two kids, there's one possible relationship. When there's three kids, there's three possible dyads that could be occurring, and each in each one of them, my kids are a different person, and they have say a different dyads relationship. And binaries. We are like really rocking the SAT words today. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like my I my fourteen year old is a different person when he's happily engaged with his ten year old sister than when he's engaged with his fifteen year old brother. They're they're he's a different person, and and so is my daughter, and so is my oldest, and they 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 have different relationships with each other. When one when any one of the three is missing from the equation because they're at a birthday party or a sleepover or whatever it is the the dynamic shift in the house is incredibly different right first of all it seems incredibly easier and it also seems incredibly different whoever's missing and i'm one of four which i think we can extend a lot of this out to and like alliances form and break it's kind of game of thrones like there's constant shifting of like you know and and my my sister has two so my the cousin group that I spend a tremendous amount of time in my three and her two. There's five. And it's like every summer that we go away, we're like, oh, yeah, this time my six-year-old girl and your nine-year-old boy are hanging out together the whole time. Like it's just – and the two nine-year-old boys are off. You know, whatever it is, like that ability to find different alliances. And it's kind of the thing we talk about of like, oh – the kids know, like, if you go away and if you loosen your grip on your kids, the kids start to know, like, oh, Aunt Suze can take care of me or Mom and Dad can take care of me. Like, in the family, it's like, okay, well, I can have a close relationship with this sibling and not. And it's like, it shifts a lot, so it it feels like it's not quite so fraught. Our listener, Alex, she says, having been raised in a family with three kids, I always thought three, you always have someone to complain about your other sibling with. Very important. And you won't be alone if one of your siblings goes off the deep end. Very good points. Good points, right? We don't really talk a lot about, you know, it's a kid's podcast, obviously, but adult siblings, I do think like, as you start to deal with like becoming the adults, parents, illnesses, those kind of things, like having that extra sibling is kind of nice because it's like, okay, uh, you know, something tough is going on in the family, dad's sick, whatever. Someone's not handling it well. The two of us will take this one. You know, like it it, it kind of, again, it's the valve, like the pressure of the family unit just gets dispersed a little bit. Yeah. And there's something to be said for that. Now, now the the number one, I'm sure you've heard this, this joke before, that once you move from two kids to three kids, you move from man-to-man defense to zone defense. Yes. And and I mean, I mostly hear like dad say that, but it's it's true. And and I often hear that spoken as like why why I couldn't ever have a third because it just gets too much harder. And and so I wonder that wasn't really my experience for me moving from two to three. And I wonder if for you, what was the biggest change for you? Like one to two or two zero to three? To one. Zero I to one. I always say zero to one. Yeah, and of course I it was zero to one. have my second marathoning metaphor of the episode, if you can believe it. Wow. I know. I don't know why that happened, but here we go. I used to run marathons 
And I was never a sporty person, was never in shape, like never until I was in my 20s, had never run like farther than to catch bus. And I just decided I kind of wanted to take on something to get in shape and like to just sort of pursue like being healthy in a way that I had never been. And so I started buying a book. I, I mean, I, I went and bought a book and started training for a marathon and marathoning like parenting. It's just the first mile is the hardest. Like the first mile is like, I can't run. I like sitting still. I don't like running. And then the second mile is never harder than the first mile. And then the third mile is the same. And then suddenly you're doing 26 miles. Like it's, it's, I think it's a very good metaphor for having kids. Like sitting still is easy and running is hard, but running 26 miles is not that much harder than running one mile. Wow. Okay. I get it. That makes sense to me. That's, that's basically how I come out on having kids. Like, I mean, yes, financially in a lot of other ways, but tactically, I just think having six would not be, it's not, this is what I always tell people, because I think when you have one, you are doing a hundred percent childcare. And so then the idea of having two is like, how can you do this? It's not having children is not exponential. There's always a hundred percent of work and the people and the new, and the new kid folds under that umbrella. It's not that it gets exponentially harder. I just saw a video on Facebook last night that, that, um, really, relates to this for me, even though it wasn't supposed to be about parenting, a teacher put it up and it was showing kids what's important in life and how to make room for what's important. But it seems to me to relate much more closely to what we're talking about. Um, It was filling a jar, mason jar. The teacher put in like six ping pong balls. Class, is this jar full? Yes. Then he took out a, you know, big bag of beads and dumped all the beads into the jar. Now is this jar full? And the kids were like, yes, two kids, it's full. Now he takes out a bag of sand and he dumps in an entire bag of sand all around. Of course it fits. Of course it fits. Now is the jar full? Yes. Then he puts in, you know, a huge glass of liquid, which the sand soaks up. So you think the jar is full. You think you couldn't possibly do it. And there's, there's always room for the sand, the water, the beads. It's just you, the, the point this teacher was trying to make is put your ping pong balls in first because you can't put the sand in first. You have to put in the things that matter first. But for me, it was more a metaphor about there's room. The jar, the, you know, the jar is your parenting and you have a ping pong ball in it. And you're like, my jar's full now. No, it's not. You, you could do more. It's just, do you want to? Let me just say, guys, if you were in search of some really solid, how many kids should you have metaphors? You came to the right place today. <laughs> Cause that's a really solid metaphor. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to say it's better than my marathoning metaphor, but it's really solid. It's different. It's also special. We have some uh, listeners who have four or more children God bless them. They have lots of stuff in their jars, and they love it. Chana says, I just had my 10th. Oh, God. I haven't found the perfect number yet. I'll keep going till <laughs> Chana, I do. Chana, Chana, for God's sakes, Chana. <laughs> God bless you. Julie says, I have three, but that's only because my husband was actually concerned that we should be able to feed, clothe, and educate them. If it mm. were my decision, I'd have given Michelle Duggar a run for her money. I find that fascinating. I mean, 10. God bless them. Yeah. Michelle Duggar numbers. Corey has five. It's great. Always someone in a mood like your own to play and hang out with. Now, that's kind of a fun version of it. Like, with you five, the chance that one of them is in a good mood is is higher. Right. There's right. A, if you've right you're won, never bored. You're like on the roller coaster with their mood. You know, like, it's kind of like how they come in the door. But I do find that even with three. Like, how was today? Terrible. 
awful. Great. Like someone's in a good mood right. usually. Right. And the more my sister Molly has four and, and her boys, they interact well with each other. And it does lead. I'll tell you what, when you're in a big family, you grow up a little more like, OK, I can make this work. You grow up very flexible and very able to get along with different kinds of people because that was a skill you developed every day in your playroom. I, I do also think though, going back to the only thing, like they, that thing of like, this is where you get socialized. You spend eight hours a day in school, right? Like, you're already learning that lesson more than you're at home. So relax about, you know, like, yes, it does help you socialize. It does help you live in community and communion with other people. Like the thing of like, my need is not primary. It's a great lesson, but you also, if you don't get that at home, you're getting it other places. I, I grew up in a family of six and I loved it. And it's, it's funny because I didn't, I didn't want six kids of my own, but I think it's because I, I had, you know, dreams of the stage in Hollywood and I, I had, I had professional goals I wanted to accomplish. And I thought that was probably incompatible with six kids. Although look at me a Pharaoh. So who knows who can say, but, but I, Listen, she had other problems. Maybe that's not the route to go, but I loved being in a big family and I, and I wouldn't trade that for anything. And as you were saying, as an adult, the, the benefits that I reap from having a bunch of siblings, we were just all away. My parents 50th anniversary is this year and we all went away and there are 26 of us in one very large house very large house with 13 bedrooms, but we all went on vacation together. And, you know, the other benefit, this is, this is long-term benefit, but when there's six kids, there's 14 grandchildren. There are cousins out the ears. And as my grandpa, Billy Mac likes to say, y'all been begetting and begetting. Begetting. We can hardly all fit in one photograph. And it's, it's a, wonderful experience and when you have my, my relationships with my siblings are are very non-fraught because there's just so darn many of us so there's no the like you were saying about the the valve the third kid's always the valve when there's six kids it's like the the pressure doesn't even have a chance to build up because it's not you can't even keep track of who's <laughs> who's fretting yeah. with who there's no such thing you just you just I also live your life from the point of view of like people who are only children of onlys, whatever who don't have that there is a um romanticized version of that and there is a slightly realistic version of that because i'm from the same kind of family and like big families have big problems too you know like, oh yeah there's fights like it's like you imagine having six kids is like they'll just have five best friends for life. Like maybe not. Like it, it doesn't always go the way of like we all get a house together at the beach every summer. You That's know, true. Yeah. It, it often fractures and goes pretty wrong and it and it multiplies stress because it's like this brother's doing this crazy thing and this sister's got this problem. Like it's not always I mean, this is life in general. Like, oh, I'll have kids and I'll be happy or maybe you'll have kids and it won't. It'll be terrible. You don't know how it's going to turn out. So big families can sometimes cause big problems, too. There, there's there's one good thing like, we, you know, if being a hovering helicoptering parent is a uh, bad thing for your kids, guess what? When you have a large number of kids, that sort of uber involvement just isn't really possible. That's another. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, a really good point. And the, although it's not really what we're talking about right now, I do want to give a quick shout out in this episode because there are people who have smaller families and we're talking about some advantages of larger families. Forget not the cousins, because I have so many cousins who are like siblings to me. I mean, my first cousins and I are so close. They really are like bonus siblings. And I grew up in a family of four. I don't I don't really need extra siblings, but fostering a great relationship with your kids' cousins. And there are cousins who I'm like 
crazy close to who I didn't spend a lot of time with growing up, but like just, it's a nice place to find those relationships. If you long for the like 28 person house and you only have two kids, like, I mean, you can do it with friends as well, but like, if this is interesting to you, there are ways to foster these relationships, even if you don't have a lot of kids. That's, that's true. Right. You can, you can do this with a family of choice as well. If you have a small family and you're from a small family, then create this, create those lifelong relationships because it, they are, they don't have to be in the same house, but they are wonderful to have. Here's one other, uh, possible advantage to a large family. I have a, a good friend who is one of 13 children, 13 children, same mom. Um, same dad, you know, same, they're all full siblings. And it was, of course, great and not so great at once. He, he, he came over for dinner. It was the best of times. It was the Oh my God. He came over for, like, he has to, has to write a book. He, he came over for dinner and he just was regaling my kids with the story of, he was somewhere in the middle, like seven, I think. And he said, like, dinner time was 6.30 and it was served once. And if you didn't get home from swim practice until after that, you had to get your own dinner out of the refrigerator. And sometimes there wouldn't be that much left because the younger kids ate it all. <laughs> like That was how it was. And he, and he also 13. said, my, he said, my parents were like, we cannot go to 13 kids, basketball games, ballet recitals, but you know, like spelling bee. So they went to nothing. He said, they went to my high school graduation and they, that was the first thing of mine they attended all my life because they just, they just declare bankruptcy and all of it. We can't go to, can't go to everyone's. So we're going to go to no one's. Like that, that is freedom. So have enough kids and you don't have to go anymore. Again, it's not, there, there are spectrums, but we can learn from the spectrum, you know, like you're not going to not go to any of your kids stuff except for their high school graduation. But just remember that like, if you have one and you're like, Oh my God, we've got to go to everything. You know, you still don't have to go to everything. Like loosen your grip as if you were a mom of 13. Like just ask yourself the question sometimes, like, what if I had five like what could I change and and make some of those changes it's it's great to look at the spectrum sometimes and see what takeaways there might be for your own life that's true you can apply that style of parenting and the benefits of that family you can you can think about bringing that into your life even if you have a different number of kids for sure because it's a good perspective for me because we're having you know just all that stuff of like back to school night and this and all the stuff we have to go to and it's just it's too much. We're overbooked. And I just realized last night, like, you know what? I don't have to go to every back to school night. I've been to the third grade back to school night already. I don't have to go to this third graders back to school. It's fine. You don't have to go to every single thing or somewhere in the universe. Like your gold star gets erased. It does not happen. It's okay. Yeah. The best life advice that perhaps I ever received was Ooh, from uh, better than my marathoning advice, better Let's than the right ping pongs and the I'd like better I'd than like the marathon, better that. than the beads and the sand. Uh, it was, uh, I was 22, 23 and I was trying to decide whether to do a, a national tour of a play or move to New York and, you know, start hitting the pavement with my picture and resume. Couldn't decide, couldn't decide. And, you know, it seemed so horribly important when I was, 22. Now I'm like, well, you know, I can hardly remember which one I picked, but at the time it was two roads diverge in a narrow wood. And this older actor that I was working with at the time, I was sort of obsessing about the choice. And he said, just pick one and then make that choice the right decision to have made. Mm. Just make your choice the right choice to have made. 
And I think about that, oh my God, like every other day for my entire life, they, they make, make the choice you made, the right decision to have made. So you make this choice for a lot of reasons, right? Your mental health, where you live, how much you earn, how demanding your job is, uh, you know, I don't know, all, all kinds of things. And then you, em- you embrace that and then you make that choice the right choice. Amy, that was really good advice. I was doubting you, but that was solid, good advice. Or you could take our listener Julie's advice who says, a friend of mine used to say the perfect number of kids is whatever you have minus one. (laughs) (laughs) She's not wrong, Julie. She's not wrong. Uh, Guys, this whole conversation started on a really funny note. I mean, we're not going to really solve this one because, as we said, there's a lot of factors going on, but we solved it to the point of being able to solve it. The right number of kids is the kids that you have. Yes. Make it the right decision. And this discussion was so funny on the Facebook page, and we want to continue the discussion. So come to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash what fresh hellcast and continue the conversation. There also starting to be a lot of conversation on our Instagram page. Um, that's, that's become a place where a lot of people are telling us what they like about the episode and, and, you know, sending us funny stuff. And we love that too. Instagram is also what fresh hellcast. And I'm also going to put links to, um, all the, studies and whatever that we discussed on our show page because I always do whatfreshhellpodcast.com and don't forget Twitter at WFH podcast and I'm going to ban you Amy from putting that calculator if you put a link to that calculator <laughs> anywhere I'm, I'm taking it down. then then the 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 United States uh, population will suddenly take a sharp decline yes. and everybody will wonder why what because happened? I told you to check oh, the calculator Amy put the calculator up and that was the end of childbirth yep. in the United States forever alright guys we'll go and take care of whatever number of kids you have and we will talk to you next week bye